Anyway, we're glad that you're all here this morning, and uh, we're going to uh, talk about a, a, a sermon that, uh, that I've entitled, Live Up to Your Name. Live Up to Your Name. How many of you know what your name means? A lot of people. I think I've shared this before, but Nancy and Dave and Amy, we all have the same name. All of our names mean beloved in different languages. So, uh, the church in Philippi, we're in a, a series of sermons on Philippians, and uh, the church in Philippi was a great church. But even great churches still have problems. You see, there are no perfect churches this side of heaven. Amen? Uh, but some churches are healthier than other churches, and the church in Philippi didn't have a lot of problems like the church in Corinth. Corinth was an unhealthy church. The church in Philippi was a healthy church. In Corinth, it didn't matter which way you turned, you could see a problem in the church. Everywhere you looked, there was a problem in Corinth. But uh, not in Philippi. Philippi, uh, though, had a, the potential for a really big problem to develop if it wasn't settled soon. And when Paul wrote this epistle to the church of Philippi, the problem probably looked like just a small little ripple on the surface of, say, the lake. But uh, Paul didn't want Satan to take that ripple and somehow or other turn it into a tidal wave. And so in today's scripture, we're going to see how Paul addressed this problem. Now, I want to first ask a question. If you knew of two believers who were involved in a disagreement, what could you do to help them resolve their differences? I'm going to I'm going to ask that a question. If you knew of two or three believers who were having a disagreement, who were kind of getting sideways with each other, what could you do to help them resolve their differences? Now, you might be thinking, Dave, you are, uh, you're assuming that I need to get involved. <laughs> you know, isn't that the, the pastor's job? Isn't that the elder's job? Well, I have news for you. Are you all sitting down? I have news for you. It's, uh, it's everybody's job because it's included in Christian love. You know, that's uh, what we talk about as far as unity and fellowship and being a church family, that we're all brothers and sisters with each other. And so uh, what, what can we do to help people settle down before temperatures rise and the harmony and the fellowship evaporates. And that's the main issue that we're going to talk about today. And so our passage that we're going to be preaching on is from Philippians 4, 1 through 4. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Yodia and Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true comrade, some translations use the word yoke fellow, Indeed, true comrade, I ask you also to help these women who have shared, with, uh, shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. I don't know if you noticed that in verse 4, there's a, a double reminder for double rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now, let me ask you a quick question here. 
a little bit of quiz. What do you think is a big key to standing strong in the Lord? There's not just one single answer to that. What do you think is a big key to standing strong in the Lord? Paul tells the Philippians, I want you all to be standing strong in the Lord. Well, maybe you think one of the big keys of standing strong in the Lord is having a healthy prayer life. And I think that's a good answer. Or maybe it's staying in fellowship, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. You know, if you consistently come to church and worship the Lord and you're involved in Bible studies and you get involved in serving some sort of ministry, serving your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you're going to stand strong in the Lord. That's another good answer. Maybe Recently, you've uh, read Ephesians, and the book of Ephesians made a big imprint on your heart, and, and uh, you're thinking about the sixth, sixth chapter where it talks about the armor of God, and uh, you, you remember that we're to put on the whole armor of God. In fact, in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, uh, it might come to mind, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to what? To stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And now here's here's the summary to that. Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to what? To stand firm. And again, that's a, another great answer. You know, what, what causes us to stand firm? We've got to be wearing the armor of God. Well, maybe you thought of the idea of witnessing. You know, we share our faith, and maybe there's someone who is opposed to, who's closed to the, the truth of the gospel. And by standing strong, you don't surrender the truth. You don't compromise the truth. You, uh, you continue to, you know... Be a proponent, if you will, of what God says in the Word. You know, you you don't surrender the gospel. And along with that is the idea of standing strong in Scripture, being a student of the Word of God and standing strong in, in in the truth of God's Word, standing on the Word of God. And uh, when we do that, we see through all the lies and all the garbage that's uh, in the world today. And maybe you thought of a, another great answer to that question. How do we stand strong in the Lord? And all of these are good answers. But pa- uh, Paul had a different answer in mind for the Philippian church. He had uh, a different Application. He was actually referring back to what we studied in chapter 3. He said, don't fall into the trap of the Judaizers, those who are legalists, who want to add a living in your own strength by the law to grace. We've talked about that a lot. Don't fall into that trap. He also said, don't fall into the trap of the antinomians, those who use grace as a license to sin. Uh, forget what's behind Press forward in this race that we call the Christian life. Lean into the finish line. You know, finish it strong and keep your eyes glued on the Lord. But the main thing that we must remember, and it's a reference, I think, to the the most uh, applicable truth in chapter 3. We stand firm 
when we apply our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we use God's grace to what? To overcome sin. That's how you stand strong. We stand strong when we experience and we live out victory over sin. And Paul uses that truth here at the beginning of chapter 4. He uses that truth in chapter 3 and mixes in another truth that he uh, addresses in chapter 4. And that's the importance of standing together in unity and harmony. You see, we stand firm when we stand firm against sin. We don't cave into sin. But we also stand firm when we don't fall into the trap of divisiveness. Stand firm against sin and stand together as one body in Christ. You see, we're connected. And uh, we don't stand alone. We don't try to live the Christian life all on our own. And uh, we need each other. And we should never pretend that we don't need each other. Or that we're strong enough in our own strength. You see, we need to overcome the petty differences that oftentimes separate good Christians. And I'm going to put it in very graphic terms. We need to grasp our grudges by the throat and choke them out so they don't destroy harmony of fellowship in God's family. Don't let our grudges get the upper hand because it destroys the beauty of what God has created the church to be. Like I said, the Philippian church was a great church. It was a strong, healthy church. But there were two ladies in the church that got sideways with each other. Their names are Iodia and Syntyche. That's how I pronounce it. I've heard it pronounced Syntyche or Syntyche. I've heard it pronounced all different kinds of ways. Some people uh, call it soon touchy. <laughs> you know, that she would be close, some, you know, take, take something personal, you know, get offended, you know, she was soon touchy. But we do not know the exact nature of their disagreement. It's not revealed to us in the Word of God. And, and, and what do we, what we uh, conclude from that? Since it's not revealed to us what they were sideways with each other about, then it's not important for us to know. God wants us to think in terms of principle here, not in terms of a particular issue. If he had revealed to us that particular issue, we would be tempted to say, oh, well, I don't have that problem, so I don't need to pay attention to this. <laughs> well, we might have some other problem. It's about problems. It isn't about a particular problem. And uh, we must keep in mind that good Christians, even mature Christians, sometimes disagree strongly. You know, sometimes we have differences of opinion. I didn't get any amens with that one. <laughs> uh, but you know it's true, right? Paul disagreed with Peter when Peter stopped fellowshipping with Gentile believers when a group of believers from James showed up. And uh, we could read about that in Galatians. And Paul called him out for his hypocrisy. And Peter realized the truth and he came around. But there was a problem for a moment there in the fellowship. Even more appropriate is an incident that happened between Paul and Barnabas. They were on the first missionary journey together. They were partners. But they disagreed when it came to the second missionary journey of whether or not to bring John Mark with them. <laughs> 
And uh, they have finally, you know, they didn't see eye to eye. I'm sure they talked about it quite a bit. They might have even talked about it in heater, a heated tone of voice. But uh, they finally disagreed. I'm sorry, they, they finally agreed to disagree. And Paul enlisted Silas and went north to Asia Minor. And Barnabas brought John Mark with him west, southwest to the island of Cyprus. But they found a way to continue to get the word out, to reach people for Christ and to make uh, people more disciples, you know, growing in their, their discipleship. God used all of them, and so they came up with a good solution to the problem, and God used it to bless more people. They worked through their differences. Now, Yodia and Sintiki just were not putting any effort whatsoever in trying to resolve their differences. They weren't able to iron it out initially. It was starting to turn ugly, and it had the potential of harming the whole church family there in Philippi. I heard about a pastor, and early on in his ministry, he was ministering, I think, as an assistant pastor up in Auburn, which is, I guess, not too far from, well, past Sacramento. It's in the foothills or whatever. And he said that, that he was uh, talking about one of these verses about being like-minded and put, you know, setting aside your differences and and all that, and he said a lady was very convicted. And he, he said that she confessed to him that she, there was another lady in the church, she hadn't spoken to that lady for 40 years. That's, uh, that's taking a little bit too long to iron out your differences, right? That impacts the church fellowship. Well, in effect, Paul was saying, find a way to put the overall health of your church family ahead of your own individual issue or human opinion. Don't wreck a great church just to try to prove you're right on a matter that isn't worth being recorded in Scripture. Paul didn't, he knew what the issue was, but he didn't record it in Scripture. He didn't want centuries of Christians to know what their issue was that they were fighting about. It wasn't important enough to make it into the pages of Scripture. And so he, he said, I'm not going to write this down. I'm not going to record this for other um, people uh, to know. Now, Paul enlisted the people of the church in Philippi, and Clement and another person that he called a true yoke fellow or a teammate or a comrade to help these ladies iron out their differences. Our human nature tends to prefer, maybe you notice this, our human nature tends to prefer our own subjective opinions over other people's subjective opinions. We think our opinions are objective. Theirs are subjective. <laughs> but you, I don't know if you notice it, but, but we oftentimes assume that we're being objective, but the other person is not. But uh, we are not as objective as we think we are. It's hard to be objective when, by nature, we are basically subjective people. And sometimes we need help. We need outside help. 
in order for us to see things more clearly, to see things objectively. And so Paul wanted some third-party objective referees to help these ladies resolve their problems so that they could see more objectively as well. And so he doesn't list the person by name, but they knew who he was talking about, his yoke fellow, and he mentions Clement, and he's really trying to enlist the whole church, help these ladies to get on the same page. Now I'm going to give you another quiz question. If God were to call you to help some of your friends get along better, do you know how to go about it? Do you know where you'd start? And uh, that's definitely not an easy ministry, but it's certainly an important ministry. It's needed. I think it's needed in any church you go to. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, um, that doesn't just apply to pastors and elders. It applies to pastors and elders, but it applies to all believers. We're all called to be uh, peacemakers. We're all called to a ministry of reconciliation. And perhaps one of the overarching goals of, of a ministry of reconciliation is to help each person that are, is differing, it has a different opinion, help them to see what the other one sees that maybe they don't see, and to hear what the other person is saying without just, you know, dis discounting it. And it's, like I said, it's not an easy ministry. And it's maybe not something that happens overnight. You know, Paul cared very deeply for these ladies. And, and, and their disagreement was breaking his heart. It, it wounded him deeply to see that they couldn't find a way to get along. They were great ladies. They, they were both, Paul called them, co-workers which means they were involved early on in Philippi of getting the gospel out to their friends and their neighbors. And it's quite possible that they were some of the first converts in Philippi and that they may have led a lot of the people in the church to the Lord. It's also possible that they were deaconesses and that they were serving in the needs of others. In fact, that's what the benevolent offering is all about. It's like a deacon ministry. It helps people indeed. But when they got sideways with each other, it was a high-profile thing. Everybody in the church noticed it. They couldn't help but notice it, and everyone was affected by it. So Paul laid the groundwork all through this epistle to get them both on the same page. And in Philippians 1.9, and we preached on that many, many weeks ago, he said, this I pray that your love may abound still more in real knowledge and all discernment. Paul is praying that for the church. He's laying a foundation, if you will, for these two ladies to get along. And so the whole church needed to gather around those two ladies and pray along with Paul that their love for each other would grow. And that's a great prayer. Their sideways situation showed that they still had significant room to grow in love. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, it means when we see brothers or sisters that are at odds with each other, it means we need to pray for them. And we know what to pray for, that they can grow in love. You see, when our Christian love for each other is at the level that it should be, then we can settle our differences. When people aren't settling their differences, we know 
that they are lacking love concerning a particular issue, concerning each other, that con concerning that relationship. And so we need to grow in love in order to overcome relational op obstacles. Now, Paul laid another foundation stone earlier in this um, book of Philippians. Uh, he, he laid a foundation stone for reconciliation ministry in Philippians 1.27. He said, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you, what? That you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now that's how these two ladies, Yodi and Syntyche, how they started out. They had one spirit, they had one mind, they were serving together to get the gospel out. And I think Paul was uh, laying the foundation, you know, kind of helping them to try to remember where they started, how they, how they used to get along. And, and our starting point is a significant thing that we should never forget. Remember your past history of unity and harmony. And I can't help but think that this petty grudge match these two ladies were involved in was taking away the energies and efforts that they once put into getting the gospel out, leading people to Christ. They were distracted from their main mission, and they both needed to refocus on the main goal. They had been diverted. They had been distracted. And they thought a minor issue had become the most important thing. Paul laid another foundation stone in Philippians 3.15. He said, let us therefore as many as are perfect, which means fully mature, spiritually mature, have this attitude. And if any, in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Paul realized that not everyone is ready to see things God's way right away. Some people need time to come around. We may not be able to convince them at any given point and so at some, sometimes we need to leave it in God's hands and trust God to teach them and help them. Uh, God will help them come around. How many of you are uh, old enough where you remember a bumper sticker that was full of a whole bunch of initials? Let me see if I can come up with the initials. P-B-P-W-M-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. Some of you are kind of going, what is this guy talking about, you know? <laughs> Please be patient. The small letters underneath those initials, initials were big. Please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. Is it coming back to you? Yeah, some of us. And that's how we need to see each other in the family of God. You know, uh, we, we want to get issues resolved right away. But sometimes it takes time for people to come around. And sometimes we need to paste that bumper sticker onto our relationship and, and trust that God will help us work it through. You know, sometimes you're ready to work it through, but the other person isn't. And uh, we just have to pray that God will get their heart ready to work things out. We need to give it time, but we don't need to give it 40 years. Don't wait too long. And Paul also laid a foundation stone uh, back in Philippians 2.2. And this kind of summarizes the whole thing. Philippians 2.2, Paul said, Make my joy complete 
by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. The common theme there is having the mind of Christ and the humility of Christ. You know, whenever people get sideways with each other, there's a level of pride in one or both that hasn't been dealt with. And, uh, you know, getting people to get along, as I said, is not an easy thing. But one of the main keys to unity and harmony is to get people to give up their pride and to humble themselves. And humble people don't get sideways with each other. And that's all I'm going to say today about that. We're going to kind of try and tie up a few loose ends next week and then move on further. I didn't even get a chance to really cover verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And, and I didn't share this sermon because, you know, we're aware of a whole bunch of people at odds with each other. We, I'm not aware of any situations like that. We're just preaching through the Word of God. But we need to be careful that we don't let small problems uh, translate themselves into bigger problems. We need to deal with issues. And if you, maybe the Holy Spirit is, you know, putting it on your heart. Maybe there's someone that he's leading you to talk to. Maybe that person's ready to kind of iron out a difference that maybe you've had. I don't know. I don't have any agenda with this.